we're going academic this morning, all right? We're just going, I am just going to regurgitate a bunch of information to you all, okay? Now, it's very important because we're in this academic mode that you all be very, very quiet because we don't want to wake anybody who might fall asleep during this whole thing, okay? So, so, so we're just going to, we're going to lay the, and, and you know, I might have a chance of looking really, really smart here this morning. So don't ruin it for me, because Lord knows I can't write an email without a mistake in it. So, so let's see if I can get this out. And, and we're going to just kind of look at the fundamentals of the Gospel of John. This is the launch of a new series um, in the, the, the Gospel of John. And John is, is really, it's, it's one of my favorite Gospels. Uh, because you can be a new believer and read the Gospel of John and understand it, and take something from it. In fact, the Gospel of John is, is very often given out to new believers or people who don't believe just to get a flavor and a taste of the Gospel because it could be, it could be understood. In fact, the Honduras mission team, we are gathering Gospels of John in Spanish to bring down to Honduras. We're just going to give them out into the villages and give them away to people. And as you mature in your faith, as you continue to mature and journey with God, the Gospel of John becomes deeper and it becomes more meaningful. And so you can read it as a new baby Christian, or if you've been banging around the faith for a long time, it can still speak depths and profound truths into your life. And this is kind of why I, I love the Gospel of John. Now, in our best attempt to study it, it will always kind of be a little bit strange it will always kind of be a little bit restless and, and unfamiliar. And that's because, well, that's because it's Scripture. And, and when we get into Scripture, these are the things that, that, that we find. Now, like Wednesday, you know, I, I got to admit, I'm a little nervous about undertaking the Gospel of John. Wednesday, I'm sitting in my new home office, Ura, And so I have, I have all my commentaries out, like three books that are a thousand plus pages. And I'm underlining and I'm reading and I'm thinking to myself, what are you thinking? I mean, are you really ready to undertake the Gospel of John? And then I thought, are you all ready to undertake a teaching series that can go well into a year, maybe over a year in the Gospel of John? I mean, if we go as quick as we went in First Peter, we're looking at 80 weeks, and that's no joke. Um, maybe 78 weeks. Now, added in there, times I won't be here, guest speakers, you know, we might close the church in the gospel. John. I'm not really sure. And, and, and so I'm just thinking all these things. Are we ready to undertake this? And I'm praying. I'm like, God, you know, do we want to do this? Do I want to do this? This is really confusing. And, and I got nothing. So here we go. Uh, we are going to launch in to the gospel. I will tell you this. We will not master the gospel of John in our time together. I don't believe that you can master any of scripture. But I will tell you this, that we are going to we are going to prod and we're going to poke. And I hope that we will gather new insights from the teachings that are in there. And more important, I hope that we will gather and start to ask new questions when we're in the gospel. Because see, I'm not one big for seven easy steps on how to be uber Christian. I, I, I will leave you hanging many times. And you can formulate your own ideas and your own decisions. And you're going to have to do some legwork. Even today's teaching, the, the, the um, giving of information might challenge you a little bit from what you have believed to be the gospel of John. And so we begin. Now, the authorship um, of the gospel, it really comes down to this. It's not important because there is not enough information 
in all of the ancient texts, including the Gospel of John, that says that John, son of Zebedee, has written this Gospel. Now, this is what we know about John, son, son of Zebedee. Um, this, is, this is the person who the Gospel has been attributed to. But that was only given to him at the end of the second century. So almost 100 years after the Gospel is written, they decided that John, son of Zebedee, had written this Gospel. But this is what we know about John. He was a peasant from Galilee. He was probably illiterate because in Acts 4 it says that he was an uneducated man. And when you were uneducated, a peasant living in Galilee, you probably were illiterate. His native tongue was Aramaic. It would have been a very far stretch for him to write a complete book in Greek, being illiterate and in a different language. So many scholars think, believe, that John has not written this gospel. Now, many will say, well, yes, he has. It It wasn't the writing that he actually did, but he dictated his thoughts and his experiences to somebody who has written them down in Greek, and so we have the gospel of John. I don't know. Could be. Many many, uh, well-educated people have argued over this, and there are different sides of the fence. This is something very interesting. Nowhere's in the gospel is the name John, son of Zebedee, mentioned. Now, some will say, well, that's just showing John being modest, not wanting to take the credit. And the other side says, no, 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 that's just the author of this book says that, well, you know, John wasn't that important for him to even mention in the gospel. Here's what we do know. We know that we don't know. We're not really sure who has written the Gospel of John. Most of the scholarship leans towards the probability that John the Apostle, son of Zebedee, has not written the Gospel. Now, it was written about 90, 95 AD, about 60 or so years after Jesus um, died. Now, this makes it the latest Gospel. Um, Mark is around 60, 65, and uh, Matthew and Luke, they're around um, 80, 85. So John, and we're going to call it John because I don't know what to call it, you know, Gospel. So we'll just say John for the sake of our conversation over the next two years. Um, so, So John is the latest Gospel. Now, Matthew and Mark and Luke... They are considered the synoptic Gospels. When, I, when you hear me refer this morning as synoptic, the term synoptic, I'm talking about Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And the word synoptic, synopsin, that word means that they can, be, <laughs> they can be seen together. You can take those three Gospels, put them side by side, and see many um, similarities between their stories, many similarities between their focus. Not so with John. In fact, some scholars call John the maverick Gospel because it's so different from the other three. In the synoptics, you'll find a, um, a backbone of stories. There, there are many stories that the synoptics share about Jesus, about their focus. You see things like um, his virgin birth, uh, his baptism, uh, when he's wandering in the wilderness for 40 days, he's tempted by the devil. Uh, he proclaims in the synoptics the kingdom of God, and, and, and the kingdom of God is coming. He casts out demons. He wrestles with his faith in the garden. He has the Passover meal, and he goes on trial. So these are the fundamental stories that we all know, and they come from the synoptic gospels. In John, you will not find any of those stories. You will not find a story about Jesus' birth. You will not find the story about his baptism. You will not find the story of him wandering in the desert for 40 days being tempted by the devil. 
You will not find him proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand. He doesn't doesn't cast out any demons in the Gospel of John. There is no Passover meal. There is no trial. John is very, very different from the other three. But in John, we will find some things that we don't find in the synoptics. Um, one One of my most favorite stories... Uh, in, that we find in John that isn't in the other three is Jesus at this party, man. He's getting down. Everything's grooving. They run out of wine. What's he do? He's like, whoa, 60 gallons. There you go. And he makes it, that that miracle is not found any in any of the other gospels or the raising of Lazarus in chapter 11. We don't find that story in any of the other three. Also in John, you're going to find things like um, Jesus teaching his, his I am teach sayings. You don't find those in any of the other Gospels. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am living water. I am the resurrection and the life. Those are only in John's Gospel and not in the other three. Also, you'll find in John's Gospel, Jesus utters these words to Nicodemus. You must be born again. We love that one as, as evangelicals. I mean, that's what we call ourselves. We're born again. Literal Greek translation is born from above, but I guess that doesn't flow good. Oh, you're a born from above Christian. No, born again. So, so we find that verse, that saying only in John and not in the other three. John is very, very different. And there are some other major differences that are, would be even considered discrepancies to some when you compare the synoptics to John. The first one is this. Check this out. In the Synoptic Gospel, Jesus is crucified the morning after the Passover meal. Jesus has the Passover meal, institutes the Last Supper, communion, that whole thing, and is crucified. In John, Jesus is crucified before the Passover meal, the afternoon of, when, when the lambs would be in the temple being slaughtered for the Passover. Very, very different. Another discrepancy would be uh, the cleansing of the temple. Um, Jesus, he, he goes into the temple and everybody's they're just like, they're selling stuff and it's this carnival atmosphere and he gets all ticked off and he decides he's going to make a whip. He's going to tip some tables and, he, and he's, he's just, he just wrecks the place. Now that is in the synoptic gospels, but in John, it, it's, it's at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. In the synoptics, it comes at the very end of Jesus' ministry. Now, the way they reconcile this, they say, well, you know, he must have done it twice. I don't know, whatever. But there's some differences, even what some would consider discrepancies. Now, I'm not going to solve those for you. You all got Google, hit it up, figure it out. There's some interesting reading to be done just on those two points in and of itself. So what's even more interesting is this. As you read the Gospels by themselves, and what I mean by by themselves is if you've been reading the Bible for any amount of time and you've read through the Gospels, they all kind of just kind of meld together. And, 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 we, and we allow, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> puberty hurts. <clears throat> and we allow, <clears throat> and we allow our, the bias of the other Gospels to, to, um, Cloud our thoughts as we read. I mean, not a lot of people. Stop. Not a lot of people can can tell me where the stories are found, the Jesus stories, throughout all the Gospels, because they just kind of they kind of meld all together. But if you begin to read them as they stand by themselves, one by one, you will see that the emphasis of those Gospels are very, very different. Let me give you an example. 
In all four Gospels, Jesus does miracles. Okay, he's a miracle worker. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we will have him always doing miracles. But there's a different emphasis in the synoptics as opposed to John. Now, in the synoptics, Jesus does miracles to help people. Jesus does miracles because of people's faith. Many times he will say, your faith has healed you. There's a story in, in, um, in uh, Matthew 12 where Jesus heals a man from, from a demon who is blind and is mute. Now, what's very interesting is Jesus never does miracles in the synoptics to prove who he is. He always does it on the lamb. He never wants to draw attention to himself. And when he, when he heals this man of being blind and mute, the, the Pharisees go, well, you know, you, you must be healing from Beelzebub. And Jesus goes into this whole teaching on a kingdom divided. And then the people say, well, you know what, Jesus, give us a sign. Show us that you are who you say you are. And he says, you know what? No sign will be given to this wicked and adulterous generation. Jesus will not prove who he is by doing miracles in the synoptic gospels there's another place um, where we find this 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 idea or this emphasis turn to matthew chapter 4 Chapter four, I'm going to start reading in verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that your foot will not strike against a stone. Now this is a part of Jesus' temptation when he's in the wilderness, and the devil brings him up and says, listen, throw yourself down, and God will send the angels to grab you, and, and you won't get hurt. And so we have to think about what is the temptation here? What is going on? The temptation to fly? No. See, what happens here is Jesus is brought to the top of the temple. In the temple, in Jerusalem, there are going to be people worshiping. The temple was 24-7. There's always a bunch of people there. And the temptation is for Jesus to throw himself down, let the angels scoop him up, and thereby proving to the people who he is. Jesus looks at this temptation to prove who he is as a temptation from Satan. He will not do it. In the Synoptic Gospels, Jesus does not do miracles to prove who he is. He will not do them. In John's Gospel, it's very different. In fact, in John's Gospel, he does miracles to prove who he is. And, and it's very interesting that the things that Jesus does, what we consider miracles in John's Gospel, are not called miracles. I found only one instance in the, in the today's new international version where they use the word miracle, and it's a poor translation of the word, but they're called signs. Jesus performs signs in the Gospel of John to prove who he is. Chapter 4, Jesus says, you know what, all you people, you are not going to believe unless I do some signs. And by the time we get to chapter 20, John's, uh, John writes this. He says, these things have been written down and recorded the signs and wonders, so that you will believe. Jesus is doing his miracles in the Gospel of John to prove who he is 
And he does them in the, in the synoptic gospels. He won't do them to prove who he is. Jesus does his miracles and synoptics in a response to people's faith. In John's gospel, he does them to build people's faith, to actually prove who he is, to produce faith in people. John's gospel is very, very different from the gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now, I want to show this uh, one more time. Um, There are two resurrection stories. There's one in Mark chapter 5, and there's one in John chapter 11. The one in Mark chapter 5, Jairus has a daughter, and um, Jesus comes and raises him from the dead. And one in chapter um, John 11, there's the story of Lazarus. Now, broad stroke, these stories are very, very similar. Okay? Um, In both stories, Jesus is asked by a family member to come and to somebody is sick, and, and, and would you heal them? In both stories, Jesus is going to go to that per- person. In both stories, Jesus gets there late, and that person dies. In both stories, Jesus gets there, and all the people, they start laughing at him, because, like, he can really do anything now that the person is dead. In both stories, Jesus says, don't worry about it, they're only sleeping, which is kind of a, a Greek expression for they're really dead. And in both stories, Jesus raises them from the dead and tells the people to tend to their physical needs. Now, here's where the difference comes. That in in the story in Mark, Jesus is asked to come heal this little girl. He leaves right away. And he gets there, and she has died. And he only takes her parents, and he takes three of his disciples, and they go into the room, and they close the door. They are away from the crowd. They're doing it in private. Jesus raises the girl from the dead, and he says to those people, do not tell anyone what you've heard. He doesn't want the word to get out what he's done. This is not about him proving who he is. Very different emphasis in the Gospel of John. Turn to John 11. Read and I'll start in verse 3. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let's go back to Judea. Jesus, in this story, wants Lazarus to die. Jesus, in this story, needs Lazarus to die so the Son, so he can be glorified. And he waits, and he gets there three days late. Now, three days is is very important because um, back in that culture, they would wait for three days before they would seal the tomb. Somebody could be in something like a coma, and then they seal the tomb, and that person comes out of it. After three days in that culture and in that climate, the body would start to decompose. So they're pretty sure when there's a little stank going on that the body is now dead. And Jesus gets there and a very public display calls forth Lazarus from the grave in front of all the people. Very different emphasis from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where Jesus is not doing his miracles to prove who he is. And we get to John, that's exactly why Jesus is doing his miracles, to prove who he is. 
Another different emphasis from the synoptics to John is this. It's an emphasis in teaching. Jesus is a teacher. He goes around, he travels, and and he he teaches. And we'll see this throughout all four of the Gospels. But in the synoptics, Jesus is teaching about the coming of the kingdom of God. And this coming will make everything wrong, that's, make everything right that's been wrong, and it will bring fullness of life, it will bring God's shalom to all his creation. And the synoptics, Jesus teaches primarily through parables. Parables are short, simple, symbolic illustrations of spiritual truths, okay? And he will primarily teach those truths about the kingdom of heaven through parables, in fact, in Mark chapter 4, it says that, that the only way he taught the people was through parables. And in the synoptics, Jesus never teaches his disciples about the fact that he is divine. Now, we'll talk about that towards the end. So, so this is kind of the, the focus of the synoptic gospels, the way Jesus teaches and what he's teaching. When we get to John... The, Virtually everything that Jesus teaches in John is about who he is, about where he comes from, his relationship to God, and who has, and, and that God has sent him into the world to save the world. Very different focus. He never proclaims a future kingdom in the Gospel of John. He never tells a parable in the Gospel of John. He will always focus on himself and who, who sent him. He will always teach that he is equal to God. And that he is the one that brings eternal life. He brings life now, and he brings life eternally. John will highlight Jesus' teaching, and John will highlight miracles to prove who Jesus is. John chapter 6, Jesus feeds 5,000 people with just pretty much like a, like a lunchable. And, and, and he's got a few loaves, and he's got a couple fish, and he multiplies this, and he feeds 5,000 people. And then he claims to be the bread of life. You see, there's, there's a claim, and then there's proof. In John chapter 9, Jesus um, heals a blind man and then proclaims, I am the light of the world. I am the one who brings light, and he heals a blind man. There is the claim, and then there's proof. John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus. He claims that he is the resurrection and the life, and he calls Lazarus from the grave. There is the claim, and there is the proof. Jesus is doing his miracles, his signs, to prove who he is. He teaches about himself, and then performs a sign to back up that claim of who he is. It's almost like he is much more of the man of God in the Gospel of John than we see written in the Synoptic Gospels. If you read the other Gospels as, as standalone, as separate, not allowing the bias of all of them to soak in, but just reading them as standalone, you will not get that same focus of divinity as you get in the Gospel of John from the Synoptics. In fact, it's It's so prevalent in John that John starts off his gospel with this. John chapter 1. John believes Jesus is the man sent from heaven. You do not get that as clearly in the other synoptics as you do from John. And we're going to look at this passage much more deeply next week. John starts this way. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that was, has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, we look at this and say, the word that John is talking about is the manifestation of God. It is God. The word and God cannot be separated. The word was with God, and the word is God. And this word, by the time we get to verse 14 in chapter 1, um, takes on flesh. And that word, taking on flesh, is Jesus Christ. And so, in the Gospel of John... Anytime, what, what the focus is, the Gospel of John says, if you see Jesus, you have seen God. And if you follow the teachings of Jesus, you follow the teachings of God. And here's something that's very, very, very important. If you reject Jesus, you reject God. You see, for John, Jesus has preexisted with God before the creation of all things. And that pre-existing Jesus has become flesh and blood and is dwelling among men. In the other synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you don't get that same sense of divinity. Now, now in those Gospels, they will call Jesus the Son of God. They will call him the Messiah. But, but just be, the Son of God, the term Son of God, and the, and the term Messiah do not have divine connotations for the first century Jew. The Messiah was not going to be divine. He was going to be a military leader that was going to come in, lead a Jewish revolt, and, and free them from Rome. The Son of God doesn't mean that Jesus was divine. Many people throughout the Old Testament were called Son of God. Uh, chapter, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel, um, talk, God is talking about Solomon. He said, says about Solomon, I will be his father and he will be my son. It doesn't necessarily mean when somebody is called the son of God or the Messiah that they are divine, that they pre-existed with God before the foundation of all things. But John is very particular in his pre-existence of Jesus. Jesus was, is God, was with God, and now has been manifest here. Even if you look at the birth um, the narratives in uh, Matthew and Luke. Okay, Jesus is born of a virgin. Nowheres, if you just read those by themselves, nowheres does the writer write that Jesus pre-existed before he was born. The virgin birth was the way Jesus had come into the world, not necessarily the pre-existing Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that those other gospel writers do not believe that Jesus is God, that he came from heaven, that he was, he was, he was with God. I'm not saying that. But if you look at the text from a purely academic level, you don't see that written in the synoptic gospels. But for John, he's very clear that Jesus has pre-existed as God before coming to earth in the flesh. So in John's gospel, we're going to find that Jesus is no longer just a misunderstood Messiah. In John's gospel, we're going to see that Jesus is fully man and fully God. In fact, Jesus will say that I am the, and the Father are one. In John's gospel, we are going to be challenged 
many, many times to dig just deeper than just proof texting the text that we see. Because the ramifications of what John is writing go way beyond just a uh, historical account of what Jesus has done. Now, these four Gospels work very well together to bring out different things, different aspects of Jesus' life. And, and that's why I believe that the, the canon has decided to bring these four books together and go, this is who Jesus is. This is the writings that we hold. But each gospel portrays Jesus as a different person. Not a different, I'm sorry. Uh, emphasizes different things about his life. And in John, we're going to see that Jesus is the man from heaven. And so starts our journey. We all got the. I was going to try to work a little bit of the the history and, and uh, stuff about John and launch right in, but you know I figured we'll just we'll just take this. We'll get out early. It's first weekend in spring, and next week we'll come back, and we will look at John chapter one, one through five. In the beginning was the word. I hope we get past that point because we're going like a hundred weeks if we don't. So. Um, that's it. That's all I got. You did pretty good. I didn't hear any snoring. That was good. I'm very proud of you all. Um, I would encourage you all, if you're on the Bible reading schedule, you're just about done with John, read it again. And, and, and read it as try to put aside the bias of, all the, of the other three Gospels and just read it for what's there. Don't let, oh, that, and, and, and no, just, just read the text for what's there. It's a very, very interesting Gospel. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for your word and, and thank you for even the fact that it, it, it causes us to think. Um, sometimes, God, I know we don't like to think, uh, but, but thank you that, uh, that your word causes us to wrestle and to struggle and to move through and to have conversation with each other and to figure this stuff out. So God, as we leave here, we want to give you the glory. We want to recognize your hand in um, our sacred literature, our sacred texts, and uh, that, that we can spend so much time studying them and spend so much time applying them to our life. And it's in the name of Jesus that we gather and pray. Amen.